This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love to work alone. Hello there, everybody. I'm Franklin Taggart, and this is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love working alone. And I am one of you, and you are one of me, and um, one is all we need, isn't it, now? Okay, so we're getting getting into some fun stuff today, and I think you're really going to enjoy meeting Perry Knoppert. Uh, Perry is the originator and founder of something called the Octopus Movement, uh, which is something we're going to be learning about in detail here in a little while. But he's also... Um, <laughs> I'm going to use a, a word here, Perry, that we haven't really talked about, but I'm going to use the word that you're an explorer of nonlinear thinking. And you're, you're trying to see, you know, I don't, I don't know that there are any limits to nonlinear thinking. That's kind of beside the point, isn't it? But I think that you're testing and, and you're trying to find as many different ways that you can take your thinking. Would that be accurate? Very accurate. And, yeah. and ex explore without boundaries without without thinking that's a that's a weird one maybe but just see if it can just flow and even if it doesn't make any sense yeah. and you're thinking what the hell am i doing and then thinking oh no this is nonlinear thinking keep going because it, it will eventually bring me somewhere that is going to be awesome i like that concept of thinking without thinking yeah um, and that, that actually feels very akin to what we experience in those deep flow states that, that we enter into when we're going really creative or when we're getting into a, you know, kind of a, a thing where our, when, when our thinking quiets down, um, there's a thinking that happens that's not thinking. It's a very cool thing. Talk to me a little bit about how you got interested in this stuff. Hmm. Um, maybe because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> maybe <laughs> i've always been weird my entire life and i've oh my god did i try to fit in did i yeah. try to deliver according all the expectations i had as well but yeah. you know based on the expectations of others my parents awesome parents you know nothing wrong with them really really cool parents my ex-wife my friends and everybody around me expected me to do something yeah. and it's it's of course the opposite of non-linear thinking it's very linear to have expectations yeah and i remember so well that my sister is five years older than me and and she's an artist she's a painter and she creates beautiful things and i wanted to be an artist as well but my parents we're saying, no, you're not an artist. You're an entrepreneur. You should be, you know, you should be working with people. You should be in sales. And my father is an entrepreneur. So obviously, you yeah. know, <laughs> business economics, how boring is that? Yeah. And, and I wanted to be an entrepreneur because that was what was expected of me. Right. But I want, I want to be an artist. How cool is it to be? I'm an artist now. And you know, the cool thing about an artist is it's very nonlinear because there's yeah. no definition of art. There is no definition. <laughs> I read a book about the philosophy of the word art yeah. and trying to get behind the definition of art, which is impossible. Yeah. 
and and there's one example that there is this gallery owner that dropped his reading glasses on the floor and he came back in that room with all the art and there was a, a, a group of people around his glasses on the floor and they were saying oh yeah it's it's beautiful <laughs> right what is art yeah. how cool is it to be an artist that you can say perry what do you do i'm an artist i yeah. i just love that and my parents used to say to me no you're not an artist and i and i and i wanted to go to the arts academy and i didn't because yeah. there was focus on something else so until the age of 45 i failed and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur for me was this jigsaw puzzle yeah. that I created. Like an entrepreneur looks like this, is very successful, is very rich, has a Mercedes Benz in a swimming pool. Yeah. And this is ridiculous, of course. But I, I was trying <laughs> to, to to fulfill that picture. Yeah. And I almost succeeded. And then at some point... Lots of things came together and I lost everything and I became homeless and my whole jigsaw puzzle just vanished and everything was gone. And I was thinking, no, no, I'm I'm not doing this anymore. And this for me, and I'm I'm not that big of a rebel. Maybe people will think, no, oh God, that's a real rebel. But for me, the outside world is a linear world where yeah. we go to school. And we need to we need to have our grades and our diploma and then we get a good job and then we get a spouse and, and two and a half kids and a golden retriever. Yeah. So flipping linear. <laughs> and and if it works, then it's fine. But if it doesn't work, then people that are capable and able of living that life will look at you like what are you doing? I can't yeah. follow. I don't understand you. And and you're you're not successful. You know, if yeah. if I get an article in Forbes, I've been quoted in an article in Forbes. Ooh. But then something happens. People yeah. take you seriously, right? Ooh. <laughs> wow. And and that's so the opposite of art. Yeah. Like, but what is this? So someone quote me in an article that in a magazine that everybody knows yeah and so and now and now you're you're fine now I you're seen successful. in forbes <laughs> and what is this and yeah. i had the same experience i lived in beijing in china and when i came into china i was i was sitting next to my driver we were an expat family and we got a driver because you cannot drive yourself in China. You have yeah. to have a Chinese driving license. Really cool. Anyway, I was I was next to my driver and I said to him, if I want to learn Chinese and the culture of China as fast as possible, which is a ridiculous question, but okay, um, how do I do that? And he was laughing at me and he was not giving me any answers because it's a <laughs> stupid question. You know, how can you learn the culture of China fast it's anyway yeah and i saw all these taxis and i said to him if i become a taxi driver then i have to learn chinese fast i have to know the way in, in china in, in beijing and i have to talk with all kinds of people chinese people so then i will learn fast and the driver was laughing and he was saying 
yeah, Perry, that's that's impossible. You are <laughs> a Lawai, a foreigner. You don't get a working permit to become a taxi driver. A, a, a taxi drivers, farmers from royal rural areas in China, not expats. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah, Perry, I, I, I have a question for you about yeah. I, if I remember right, the the things that you categorized as what other people might term as failures have happened fairly recently for you. I mean, they've happened within the last few years, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I'd, I'd be really curious about is when did you start to make the connection that there was a, a big difference in the way that you thought compared to other people? I started interviewing people who call themselves multipotentialite. Yeah. And that triggered me. I, I saw a TED Talk of Emily Wapnick on TED Talk and and I thought, oh, that's fascinating. Multipotentialites, people with multiple passions. Yeah. Capability of learning very fast, creating new insights, connecting the dots. Well, that sounds a bit like me. That's yeah. that's cool. And I started interviewing people, finding them on LinkedIn, because you can do a search on multipotential. And you had all these people from all over the world that use that in, in with their name. Yeah. And and I started interviewing them, and and I saw and I noticed that all of them have neurodiversity. And I thought, oh, yeah. that, that's cool. So they're wired differently, and because of their brain wired in a different way their outcome is multipotentiality how does that work why is that and and i went to philips uh, a dutch organization that creates mri machines and i said to them can i have an mri machine and they looked at me like yeah that's that's <laughs> that's a weird question <laughs> but they asked me why do you why do you want to have an mri machine and i ended up talking to the head of design of Philips, and 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 we had coffee many times. And in the end, he introduced me to their research team and to do research on the brain, what it means to be wired differently, and why there is the outcome of multipotentiality. So we we couldn't answer these questions because there's not enough research on that field. But that's the period of where I discovered, oh. It makes sense that people don't understand me. Yeah. And it isn't me. So this is the most important discovery. There's nothing wrong with me and there's everything wrong with me. Yeah. But it's 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 not a bad thing. So if I used to write with my dyslexia and my brain in ADHD mode, I would create sentences that people, you know, what the hell is this dude doing? Why do, <laughs> does he think we understand exactly what he means in only two sentences? Yeah. But why? And, and I always thought that I was stupid, that I was not clever enough, that I didn't have enough brain cells yeah. in order to just do what everybody else was doing. Yeah. And it took me 45 flipping years to discover <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. Actually, it's very cool to be different and to have a different wired brain. And now I write all the time. And if I make a mistake, then 
that's the living proof of my dyslexia yeah. and good luck with it. So in the beginning, people were in, in the movement saying, Perry, you made a, a typo, a writing error. And it's like, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Forget about my typos. You know, it's, it's not important. How linear, right? No kidding, right? How linear to, to, to be focusing on that. I know I made a mistake. I can't see it. It's, it's, it's the same thing when you're colorblind and that someone says you use the wrong color post-its on your mood board. Like, <laughs> what the f I, I can't cares? see, <laughs> who cares? I can't see it. What are you expecting from me? Yeah. And and sometimes I'm so lost with my dyslexia that I'm, I want to write a word and, and I know it's there. But I can't write, I can't connect the letters together. I can't. And I go to Google and I type in something and then pray to God that Google understands what the hell I'm talking about. And then <laughs> Google corrects my word and I'm like, oh, that's it. Because sometimes it's so weird that my spelling check is also lost. Yeah. What is this? That's the moment where I thought, yes, I'm wired differently. That's why I have... 20 new ideas a day if I just let it flow. This yeah. is why I have more energy than others that I can keep going. Doesn't yeah. matter to me. Where I was always amazed, why do they stop? Why do they have to sit down? Why? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. I'm curious about um, how did how did your perception of failure change with that realization? Big time, huge. I did yeah. two things. I, I lost everything and I did a hard reset. So I also said to myself, I want to create a global movement after a few discoveries. And I'm going to do it by myself. Just me. And no funding, no money whatsoever. Yeah. I want to prove that it's possible to do things in a different way. Forget about what you've learned at, at university in all the steps and all the methods and, and you have to write a business plan, then you get some money and then you get investors and then you create a prototype. I wasn't doing all of that. I was yeah. just, I just let it flow. So failure became totally different. Failure, if I create something now and it doesn't work, that's just, and it's a cliche if I say it like that, but it's it, it's actually true. If I create something that doesn't work, then that's just something that doesn't work right now. Yeah, And it doesn't feel like failure because it, it allows me to connect other points together where I discover new possibilities. Yeah. So failure almost doesn't exist anymore and when you lose everything which is by the way for me complete freedom if you don't have any the most difficult part i have three kids i couldn't see my three kids in these seven months i was homeless yeah because my ex-wife she was really mad at me I go, what the hell are you doing yeah but when there's nothing everything is is all of a sudden possible and i and i and i find it so difficult to express that feeling 
where when you do, and that's why I love the title of your show, when you do things yourself and, and, and you don't have to wait for anyone else and, and you just let your mind open up for everything and nothing is holding you back, then there is no failure, basically. Yeah. And of course, I've been stressed when I did the first Zoom session in the movement and I thought, oh, maybe nobody shows up. Yeah. You know, then it's failure. But then, no, because then this is the wrong communication. And then someone does show up and then something happens again. And then yeah. only three people showed up. I remember so well when I started the founding members of the movement. I started with two founding members. Those are people that make one-time donation because I don't believe in recurring revenue of course and yeah. going against everything you make a donation one time for the movement it's 200 dollars, and and that's a membership for life and yeah. then you're a founding member and you can join our monthly sessions and i started with only two founding members and we yeah. would meet every month it was a bit pathetic in the beginning right and now we have the founding members too yeah but it was cool and it, it didn't feel like failure because we were together exploring what is this and where are we going and now yeah. we have over 40 founding members in a year time and it's it's one big celebration of nonlinear thinking with people all over the world when we come together yeah so i think it's important to to highlight then that um i think that you have a different view of money but money is still a part of the equation it's just not as large a part of the equation as in other entrepreneurial ventures would that be accurate it's i think it's fuel i'm i'm yeah. in contact with an investment company in california and they're supporting the octopus movement and the owner mark mcneely he said money is like fuel yeah and he said you build a car with an engine with everything in it and he said i've seen many companies that looks very shiny, but then you look inside of the car and there's no engine. They don't move. <laughs> they don't move. Nothing is happening. You build something with everything in it, with a badass engine and even a little bit of fuel. And and now what happens if we fill up the tank? Yeah. Then wow. So that so money is still very important, but it's creating something doesn't start with fuel. It, it starts with other things. And and for me that that was an awakening. And yeah. and of course I know I can do more if I if if I have a larger budget and, and we're getting there and there's a lot of movement in that area as well. But also in a personal life. I used to be living in Brussels and every other week we would go to Paris or London and see the art exhibitions and a lot of tralala and, and nice wines and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it really about that? It's fuel. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Well, it's, the, it's, you know, there's more of an emphasis on the experience rather than on, on the money. And it's like, you're you're drive you're driven by something different than profit exactly and yeah. now i'm very proud to say that we're launching the for-profit company yeah and it's owned by the non-profit company okay and i just love that you know we have a for-profit where 
the profit goes into the non-profit and the non-profit is the global movement that is available for everyone and so let's talk about the movement i mean mm -hmm. um it's a fairly new movement you've you've just started it in the last little while the last couple of years right one and a half year yeah okay so tell me a little bit about what is the vision for the octopus movement why did we do this i after interviewing so many people that were different and didn't fit into the box i was thinking i was i was with a group of people like that and and they called themselves multipotentialites but i had difficulty with the word multipotentialite yeah. because for me it was too linear again because if you say to a polymath that he or she is a multipotentialite, then they're offended yeah. because they have a different opinion about their values and, and, and what is important and whatnot. And I thought, but that's not what it's about. It's, it's something else. And I asked a group of people and I said, what is, what is the symbol of a curious misfit? Because that's what we all have in common. We're yeah. all curious misfits. We, we're not in the box and we want to know so many things yeah. and, and, and we do things differently. And, and then someone said, oh, I always use the octopus as an emoji to send that to people. If I had a nice conversation, I said, oh, wow. Why, why, why do you do that? Was my question. And she said, well, maybe because I'm Greek, I just love the octopus. Yeah. Okay. And then someone in South Africa said, have you seen My Octopus Teacher, a documentary about a filmmaker that gets into a friendship with a real octopus? And I yeah. watched that the same evening. And that's the start of the octopus movement. I saw that documentary and I thought, this is what I need to do. I need to create the awareness of the awesomeness of atypical thinkers, nonlinear thinkers. Yeah. Because they can make a difference. Well, they can... They clean always up have. the mess. <laughs> always have. And they can clean up the mess of linear thinkers. Yeah. But the problem is to be heard and to be accepted as a nonlinear thinker, you have to have a, a linear track record. Otherwise, forget it. Yeah. You need to be in Forbes in order to be heard and seen. You know, you need to check the boxes. Yeah. Like done I've been to Harvard, been in Forbes. You know, I've I've sold my company for twenty million. That always helps as well, right? And oh, now now we're listening to him. Yeah. But there is this huge group in the world that are beautiful minds that they're not ticking the boxes. Yeah. Because just because you know, not everybody can be in Forbes and sell their company for twenty million. Yeah. So, what do we do with this group of people that are having a feeling of not being seen and heard? And and they always and they all said to me when I was interviewing them, they all had that in common, being a curious misfit and saying, if only people would really see me and understand me, I would have so much more possibilities in life. I could do so much more than I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I've been there when I was homeless and I came back to the Netherlands and I applied for more than 70 jobs nobody interviewed me nobody yeah. invited me for a conversation why because my resume is like shit it, <laughs> i it was goes... talking about my resume being a nightmare an, it, it, uh, an hr nightmare exactly we don't 
we don't fit in the HR software, you know, where they can give you a rating like, oh, that's interesting. So, and I think it's a waste not to do anything with these people. And then, moreover, I'm thinking about education and I'm thinking about my own journey at school (laughs) of being misunderstood, of having dyslexia and ADHD and and having the feeling when I was done with school that I was not good enough. And now, 45, I'm discovering I am good enough. Yeah. And my IQ levels are, are pretty high even. And so many people in the movement are highly gifted. And they had no idea until their kids are being tested. And then they discovered, oh, but I have that as well. And yeah. then they discover a very high IQ and they're thinking, but why was it so difficult for me at school then? Because you don't fit in these lines of the educational system. So that's yeah. something we're also very much focused on with the octopus movement to take care of the people that are nonlinear thinkers, but also to talk with students and kids about nonlinear thinking. And I teach at schools as well. And and I and I ask for instance, a group of nine-year-olds, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then these little arms go up and, oh, I want to tell, I want to tell. And then, I want to be a vet or a dancer or an artist. Yeah. And then I say to that child, but you can do all three of them yeah, together. I just do one. <laughs> yeah? and, and then a nine-year-old, Franklin, says to me, no, that's not true. You cannot yeah. do all three. And and it makes me always very happy when they say that. And I start laughing. I said, I'm 46. I travel the world, have done everything. And you nine-year-olds are telling me that this is not true. <laughs> but these kids are being conditioned in the linear way of thinking. Yeah. Again, I'm not against that. But they also should know that there is also something else. And if you're not good in math, it doesn't mean you're bad in math. It just yeah. means maybe it's not in line in how you think. And maybe if 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 at some point other things come together, you explore all of a sudden that you're very good in math. And the people yeah. that I've spoken with in, in, in the movement that are famous poets, where their English professor used to say to them, John, forget it. This is yeah. never going to work. And now John is selling books all over the world, right? Yeah. The, there are a couple of things that are coming up. I mean, the, the thing that's really interesting to me is that we could take this conversation in probably a hundred different directions and they would all be interesting. Um, but the things that are really starting to pop up for me here as we're talking um, are the the different, the different ways that um, institutions tend to attract people who are alike and they don't integrate people who think differently very easily or very well. And I, I wonder, I mean, one of the things that, that I was thinking as you were talking was that you just, you know, you just described probably 80%, if not more of the people that I work with who are solopreneurs and freelancers. And a big reason that a lot of them are in the self-employment solopreneur freelancer direction is because they don't fit in normal institution based businesses that do, you know, that work with linear structures, linear processes and linear thinking. 
And one of the things that I'm curious about is like, what ideas do you have for integrating nonlinear thinkers in linear thinking organizations? Mm -hmm. First thing is that I understand big organizations because yeah. if you need to manage <laughs> a lot of people and they're all nonlinear thinkers, yeah. then, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. Herding, herding cats, as they say. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> difficult to manage. So the managers are hiring people that fit in the box. And then yeah. these people in the box become managers, and then it stays, right? And it and it goes in circles. And the CEO or the founder, or that's a nonlinear thinker. That's right. someone with a vision. So that's the system, how it works. But the problem I see is... We're destroying the planet. We're, we're not taking very good care of the planet and, yeah. and humanity. And I think that's a direct result of linear thinking. The linear thinking is shareholders' value. We need to increase. There needs to be more money. And yeah. then whatever it takes, we need to go there. We need to follow that line. So how awesome would it be that HR... That's the start. That HR starts to understand what linear nonlinear thinking is. Yeah. That the head of innovation is a nonlinear thinker. Most of the time, it's not. Yeah. Because that's the same manager that needs to be controlled by another manager that is just climbed the ladder in the organization who is rather creative. So that's the innovation manager. Yeah. How cool would it be for HR to understand? that you should address that in a different way, that maybe your innovation manager isn't someone with a track record of 30 years of innovation and, and whatever Ivy League, but maybe it's a nonlinear thinker yeah. that is able to create real and, and awesome innovation for that company. So it starts with HR, and then we need to go to a system where now it's easy to express yourself as an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. You know, if I go to a party and someone is standing there in the corner with a cup and all by himself <laughs> and I say, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I'm an introvert, dude. I, I love this. Oh, cool. <laughs> Shake hands and it's fine. Yeah. Let's do that as well with linear, nonlinear thinking. If if I put on top of my resume, Perry Knoppert, nonlinear thinker, and then my resume which has everything, then all of a sudden my resume has a value. Yeah. Now, without nonlinear thinking, my resume is a mess and I don't understand. Well, that's the, that's the thing that I was going to ask is like the, another reality for nonlinear thinkers is very often staying in one position for a very long time doesn't work for us. No. I, you know, as I look at the, at the places that I've worked over the years, I think the longest that I worked in any one job was around six years with the exception of music and music was, music was the, the, the career path that I had chosen for myself. But I, even then I was only full-time in music for about eight years before life interrupted. But the thing that's really interesting to me is that the nonlinear thinking folks, the neurodivergent folks and the people who are, who were working with, um, with these different styles of learning, these different styles of communicating and these different styles of thinking, um, very often they don't fit into the standard structure and, and set of expectations 
that corporations require. And so I'm wondering how corporations have to change in order to adapt to include folks in that category, because they do need the gifts. They they need the skills, but they still haven't found, you know, I think the closest thing that we can come to is Apple in the early days when they had the pirate ship out in the middle of the of the complex where all of the creative people went and they were sequestered. It's like they had their own space, you know, with the ping pong tables and all of the games and stuff like that. And then the, the more linear stuff was happening in the outer circle, you know, of the, of the structure of the building. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because they kept those guys separate from the rest of the company, but they gave them a place within the company. You know what I'm saying? And I think to me, that's the only, that's the only, you know, real well-known example of how people have integrated that creative, um, that, that, and I don't even want to think out of the box. I want to think different thinkers, right? They're... Yeah. Because out of the box thinking is very linear. Can you imagine? Oh yeah. That, right. That, building oh, a bigger box. On, on Friday afternoon, <laughs> we're doing a brainstorming session. We're yeah. going to think outside of the box. Are you on time at one o'clock in the afternoon? It, it cracks me up. You and know, be sure to wear your blue jeans. <laughs> exactly. And now we're going to think outside of the box and let's use our post-its. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Now, I think the solution, it's, it is the opposite of Apple, I think. Yeah. If, if you look at the startups nowadays, those are non-linear companies. You know, they don't care about where you're coming from, what you're wearing, what you're doing. Do the job and do the job even better than expected. And yeah. and whatever it takes, doesn't matter how you look. And that becomes more linear as well. So you have to look already in a specific way so they could see like the expectations of the non-linear thinking thinker which is already too linear for me yeah <laughs> um, but i think i think it, it's not that difficult if if you look at organizations i i recently did, did a speech at abian amro it's a, a dutch bank about neurodiversity and nonlinear thinking and they and they told me that perry we do hire people with autism i said wow cool and how does that go? Yeah. And it doesn't go very well because they leave. Yeah. Immediately, you know, a half a year, a year, and they're gone. And said, why is that? Well, not because of the organization. They allow, they allow, that's, those are their words, huh? not my words. They allow yeah. them to work with them because, oh my God, these people with autism, they, in finance, they can focus, you know, and they yeah. are really into the numbers. So cool. But then you have their colleagues who together in the culture of the organization have created a set of unwritten rules where the nonlinear thinker or, or people with autism or whatever you want to see it or neurodivergent people. Yeah. What's unwritten rules? What are you talking about? And then they leave because they, they cannot mix with linear thinkers. So Apple is a great example. If, if Abian Amro really does a cool job, then create a new office and call that the nonlinear part of the bank yeah. and put the nonlinear thinkers in there and, and create that rock and roll, state-of-the-art financial <laughs> hub yeah. where all the 
problems are being solved, where new ideas are being generated, where cool shit is happening, and then let the linear branch just do the accounting and, and, and the controlling of all the numbers. Yeah. It's not that difficult. No. Right. Very interesting. The other question that I have is that this is more about the octopus movement. And that is that people who are nonlinear and maybe um, consider themselves, as you mentioned, they consider themselves weird. I, I know that one of the things that's very interesting is that they do find communities with each other. But those communities are different from any other that I've ever been a part of. And so the communities that I'm thinking of are the people who um, do like cosplay and go to Comic-Con and they they find each other through gaming and role play games and stuff like that. A lot of the folks that I've met in those communities would classify themselves as nonlinear thinkers. A lot of them would identify or have been diagnosed on one spectrum or another. And it's interesting to me though, that they shy away from official membership. <laughs> and yeah. so one of the things that I'm curious about is how do you let them know that the octopus movement is different? Sometimes in interviews, people are saying to me, oh, how cool that you're creating a global community. Yeah. And, and, I always get nervous when people say that, uh, like an itchy. Yeah, it's not a community. It's not, and I don't know why I have so much difficulty with the word community. Isn't it weird? <laughs> it's weird, right? It's it it really annoys the the hell out of me because I think it's it's too boxed again. Yeah, the word community because for me the feeling of a community is that you strive towards a huge group of people connected with each other. Yeah. And with the octopus movement, that's not what I want to do. I want yeah. to create a movement. I don't want to create a community because then it stops when you have your group of people. However, you know, whatever number or how large it is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a community and it stops. I saw a documentary of Paul Stamets about fungi. Yeah. And I thought, this is it. This is it for me. It's a mycelium. Yeah. For me, the group of people in the movement is the mycelium. And we're growing every day. Every day, someone is joining somewhere on the planet. Yeah. Connected with someone else. And it's the whole octopus movement is growing organically. Everything we're doing is organically. There are no rules. Yeah. Boy, do I hate communities with rules. Do I hate <laughs> communities where you need to pay for it or when there is a commission to enter a community. Octopus yeah. Movement is open, join for free, come in. And it organizes itself in an in a organic way, just like nature. Yeah. And I see now that our we have around 2,500 people in, I think, 60 countries now. Yeah, And it works like that. So we're we're taking care of each other without saying we're taking care of each other. Yeah. I always like things when they're not explicit. 
thinking without thinking, taking care of each other without taking care of each other. We're all, we're connected in a way and, and just things are happening and moving and we can't control, we can't steer and it's and it's just happening and building on top. And so in the beginning, of course, I had still the linear mindset of, oh, I want to, I want to grow. You know, I, I was checking on how many members are there and how is it growing? I still do that. Still want to know the numbers. Yeah. But I'm not busy anymore with how can I grow? It's just, it grows and how it grows. I don't care. And I love it when someone connects with me and books an appointment with me. And I use pick my brain for that. So people can just book me for 30 minutes on zoom. Let's yeah. have a chat. I always ask, where are you coming from? Why, why, why did this happen? And then, yeah, I was in yoga class last week and someone next to me said, Oh, and he saw my, something on my bag with an octopus and said, Oh, yeah. have you heard about the octopus movement? No, <laughs> go check it out. Let yeah. it grow organically. I'm, I'm and and everybody in the group. I have nerds. I have weirdos. I have artists. I have successful professors. I have award-winning producers. I have homeless. I have every, everyone is there. Yeah. Not only the gamers or only the musicians. Right. But boy, yes. are there a lot of gamers and musicians. <laughs> but are there also professors yeah. working at, at at huge universities in, in teaching leadership and yeah. and recognize themselves in the octopus? Well, one and, of the things that, that brings up an interesting point. It's like I think some of the most nonlinear thinkers that I've ever met are people who are natural leaders. And they find themselves in leadership roles. And what's really interesting is that they have to think differently than anyone else in their organization. And very often they're the ones that are the visionaries. They're the ones that, that are the ideators and they have to pass off the more structured and linear types of tasks to other people. But they're the ones that are actually the kind of the linchpin of the organization. They're the ones that bring the vision. They're the ones that bring the energy. They're the ones that, you know, that everybody solve else, all the issues, right? Yeah, oh God, we don't can, know what to do. Everybody uh. else can gather behind. Yeah. But um, I've seen that over and over again with with uh, uh, with both corporate and high level organizational leaders. That very very often they're nonlinear thinkers. Yeah. Um, just by nature. Also, and, because they're visual thinkers, that yeah. helps in leadership. Because yeah. just thinking about it creates an image, and it's so much easier. And I always thought everybody was a visual thinker. Apparently it's not. Yeah. And, oh, that's weird. Yeah. I'm very <laughs> curious. Um, do you find, what level of loneliness would you say uh, is common to folks who are in this, in this group? Very lonely. Yeah. 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 And I think most... I, I get these very nice messages from time to time from people Yeah, saying, this is not to brag. It's, it's not about me again. It's the organic growth of just a movement. And but then sending me a message, thank you for finding my tribe. And, and it's true. You know, if, if you're lonely, I was lonely. Yeah. I only had a few friends and they still, 
they didn't understand what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, right. and they were judging on me. Why is he moving to China? Is he out of his mind? Why is he doing this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I have this group of people where we connect so easily with and to. Yeah. Where, and I have that in in Zoom conversations, thanks to the pandemic. Thank you, pandemic, because that created the octopus movement as well. How global did we become by staying at home? How yeah. cool is that, right? <laughs> I'm fascinated by something that I would love to do research on is how is it possible that I have a feeling that my brain is making a biological connection with your brain when we're doing a Zoom? Yeah. And I'm flipping, looking at my Apple laptop, and there is an <laughs> internet connection in yeah. dark fiber optic cables going through the ocean with ones and zeros. And that's how we hear each other and see each other. But still, there's something going on yeah. with our brains when we're doing this. There is a physiological connection. What the hell? Isn't yeah. that great? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I it's one that. of the things um, I know that there's been a lot of research done in the whole idea of um, a causal and non-local phenomena. And I don't know if you've looked into any of that, but no. it's fascinating reading. And it, it it is exactly what you're talking about. It's like there's some le there's some levels of connection that we have with each other that mm -hmm. aren't location dependent. And they're, you know, they don't seem to have a cause and effect relationship they exist outside of the realm of cause and effect that that just fascinates me we could go on a whole other tangent with that but the thing and, that, and um, that I solves would... but that's that solves the loneliness where yeah. a lot of these non-linear thinkers that are going very fast and eager to learn and being a little bit of a curious misfit find it difficult to connect with people that are so stressed out about things that whereas a non-linear thinker you're thinking but but why, you know, then yeah. you create a solution and you just continue. And looking at the pandemic, there was this group of people that were in complete panic because everything changed. They, they had to work at home and the kids were at home. Yeah. And, oh, oh, my God. And then there were a group of people like, oh, this is cool. And they created <laughs> new things and they started making music together on Zoom and, and yeah. created new companies thanks to the pandemic. And not any of things. It's very, awesome. very cool. Yeah. So the I'm I'm noticing our time and you know, not to get all linear on you. Um, but I would like people to know about where they can find out more information about you and the octopus movement. Where will you send them? Go to www.theoctopusmovement.org. Okay. Um, you will see a page. It's black and white. It's the right half of the brain which is the non-linear part it's the octopus movement it's a non-profit foundation and on the left side we're starting a for-profit linear company based on everything that's happening on the non-linear side and then you click on that and you go into the octopus movement you can sign up um, be a part of this be a part of our global think tank where we are creating solutions for world problems, for global problems with yeah. humanity and nature and whatnot. Be an octopus teacher, help us and teach at schools about nonlinear thinking. 
be a nonlinear specialist where we combine all these people that have are being specialists in a special way, not yeah. just a linear accountant of doing the same accountancy sheets for 30 years, but people that have a lot of experience of many other things. You can find me and others there. You can book me for okay. a conversation. I I spent this year over 400 hours in, in conversations with people. Yeah. That's the mycelium. That's what I believe. And, and that's the only way where we can do this is when we have a connection and we, we have a chat with each other and see what we can do and how we can grow and yeah, what it all good. means. Yeah. So folks, my, my guest today has been Perry Knoppert and uh, Perry is the founder and the, the lead nonlinear thinker of the octopus movement. More information at theoctopusmovement.org and um, they're, they're looking for uh, people to join at every level. So um, please, uh, please check it out. Perry, thank you so much for bringing your, uh, your warmth, your energy and your creativity to the show today. Thank you, Franklin. And this was, wow, what a conversation. And I loved where I had this feeling of intimacy. Like, I don't know if I say that correctly, but it feels like we're together in this bubble. Yeah. And it's very private and very serene and elegant. And I love that. So thank you, Franklin. Well, thank you. That's very... That, that's lovely to hear. I appreciate it, Perry. Perry Knoppert, everyone. Thanks for listening to Your Own Best Company. We do appreciate it when you subscribe, review, and share this podcast with people you think will love it. Have a good one now. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Your Own Best Company. If you enjoyed the show, would you do me a favor and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast host? If you really love it, leave me a review or share it with your circles. If you feel like your career is reaching a dead end or you're feeling a deep sense of dissatisfaction in your work right now, I help people discover their gifts and then find or create new opportunities that are the best fit for their talent, experience, and lifestyle. Email me at coaching at franklintaggart.com for more information. I also help people start, finish, and launch creative projects, and I offer an ongoing marketing mastermind for solopreneurs and freelancers. More information on these programs and services can be found at franklintaggart.com. Thanks again for spending this time with me.